Hello everybody and welcome to Goldbridge Saves Football. Have we got an action-packed show for you this week? We'll be talking about all sorts of things like, I've been proven wrong. I've been proven wrong. I'll talk about that in a minute. We've got Eric Ten Hag. Is it time to go? I say no, but many say yes. Man City, that indomitable force. I'm glad I got that word out. Also, PGMOL in the mud. Premier League. Points deductions for Everton and Forest. We've got either ors. Uh, can Will stop me in the Guess Who game? And a hell of a lot more. Uh, Will, how are you doing this fine, fine Tuesday podcast show? Yes, very excited. Looking forward to it. And what should have been maybe more quiet week, a reduced fixture list? Well, the news does not stop and we keep on rolling. So lots to digest including a fantastic first point for Tony Mowbray that saw Jordan James score an absolute screamer from outside the area. Yep, if you don't understand that language, he's basically talking about Birmingham. Uh, they got a draw 1-1. One, one. Um, but no, you two, know what? Two. The reduced... the 2-2. Two, two. The reduced... A draw. The reduced Premier League concerned me, but in a way, in some ways, it made a sharper focus on those five games. And I'm not saying I'd want this to happen every week, but, it, it, you know, I actually watched all five games and know a lot more than I would have done if, if 10 people, if 10 games had happened. So I suppose that's a positive. But I've got to start off with the start of the show because we're very interactive on here. Always remember to check out the polls on Spotify and leave us your comments because they tend to ju- they tend to dictate the show. I said last week, who is the better manager, Ten Hag or Ange? And I've got to say that it was 65% Ange and 35% uh, Ten Hag. And I have rounded that up as well. Um, I've got to say, Will, on this one, um, I've got to take my medicine because I am that type of guy. I mean, I am the sort of content creator who can admit when he's been defeated, unlike many others who, you know, I'm, I'm dealing with this today. I've got a headache from it on social media. But uh, yeah, I got it wrong. I've got to take it. I've got to take my medicine. And I, I saw it firsthand yesterday. Um uh, what a brilliant job Ange is doing at uh, Spurs. Well, it's a bit annoying. I thought there'd be a bit more fight in the dog. You know, I thought we'd be having a tete-a-tete with you. Um, but, you well, know, the is. numbers don't speak. All right. Okay. Well, calm down. Um, but what I mean is, you know, this is a this is a poll on Goldbridge Saves Football who, with fans of you, which, you know, there might be quite a lot of Man United fans in there. And it's a damning indictment. It's like turning up to election night, expecting a one win, and then the guy comes out of the way. We've had the vote from the polls. It's gone the other way. It's a shocker, and it's in your own backyard. So smell my cheese, you mother. But this is the way democracy works. Don't fight it. Bite it. But I will bite back, actually, because um, I, I, I absolutely uh, respect the fact that Spurs came to Old Trafford, played us off the park, had more corners, had more shots, had more passes, had better pass accuracy. They were the better team. I'm not celebrating that performance from Manchester United. And I, I'm tired, actually, on a personal note, because of all, you know, for, ever since then, We've gone and got locked into the same old toxic cesspit that just dominates United for the last decade. Where we're arguing about Rashford or Bruno, you know, player FC, when the reality is we're fucking shite FC. And I'm, I don't, that, that's what we are. Like, we're, we're rubbish. We're nowhere near. Spurs have just come to Old Trafford, dominated us, and we're talking about Rashford FC, Bruno FC, you know. Ten Hag. It's it's just this is why we fail because there's nothing to argue about. Why? How can you ever be player FC when you're watching this shit every week? It's crap. They're not good enough. But what I would say about Ange is, a lot of people say, well, why can't Ten Hag get a tune out of Bruno when Ange can get a tune out of Hoiberg and Skip? Well, it's just. I mean, that's that's just incredible. That's like saying, 
Why why can't Goldbridge do 20 keep-ups when Will can do 30? Well, it's just different. People are different. Why doesn't why does Pep Guardiola spend hundreds of millions of pounds in the transfer market if he's the best coach in the world? Surely he could just get a Preston player. The bottom line is the demands at Spurs are ridiculously different to Manchester United. And it and I find it tiresome. It's like comparing an orange with an apple. Like situations are not mm. the world is not a simple place. I I, dis, I know you're gonna disagree with me, Will, but I've played the game and I know that different jobs have different expectations. And just walk people go, Oh, Harry Kane, oh Harry Kane. He's walked into a club with no expectations this season. And that that's very useful to a manager. But where I think he is better than Ten Hag at the moment is the man management. His man management skills are better. Now, that can be a language barrier. It can be whatever. But you can't argue with the fact that he does get a tune out of his players. They do play for him. Well, this all comes and stems from the tweet that you put out at 11.50 this morning. I spat out my pret a because you said, all morning, all I see and hear is, what's United style of play? People need to understand you can't build when build one when the club won't sell certain players. Jose, Oli, Ragnick, Ten Hag all face the same issue, not allowed to clear those who aren't good enough. And I say to you, that's total hogswash. And that is a word, look it up. Look at what Bournemouth have done this year under their new manager. The obvious one that you speak about is uh, Big Ange. You look at De Zerbi, how fast he was there to implement what was completely different from under the previous manager. So I say poppycock to you. Uh, I just think Ten Hag is not up to it. The people management is but one of the problems. The substitution into which we've gone on to tactically is bad. And I stand here today as not a red, uh, a blue, not that kind of blue, and say he's got to go. Well, I don't say poppycock. I say you're a cock. Because <laughs> what I'm going to say now is Bournemouth, Brighton, Spurs, with all due respect, they're not Manchester United. They're not Liverpool. Oh. And the exp- no, there is a massive amount of difference. If I go and take, I could take a job at Bournemouth and I'd feel rather confident to walk into that dressing room and start saying, this is how it's going to be. And if if you don't like it, you're going to be playing for Preston North End. If I walk into the Man United dressing room, I've got to get through agents. You know, I've got the CEO saying, don't upset that player. I know firsthand what happens at Man United if you upset a player. Trust me, mate. You know, I know firsthand what happens if you upset a Man United player. They're not very happy. That club is not the same as managing Brighton, Spurs or Bournemouth. And I'll tell you for free, Ange is doing a great job at Spurs. You send him in the Man United job and his tough Australian accent and no-nonsense approach is not going to cut much slack with multi-millionaires who are embedded into that football club, who run that football club, it's not going to work. It'll work for a year and then they'll get, you know, as soon as he upsets one of them, they'll be there having their meeting going, don't like him, never like neighbours, get rid of him. No, but I think you speak of like... He's fell off like neighbours. <laughs> and that came back. Um, but you speak about that, that as like, an, you know, I was listening to Gary Rowett speak about his time at Stoke when they went back in the championship. That's your problem. A, don't listen eight, to him. He, <laughs> he had an agent phone up, tell him, he was like, yeah, this player that played today, he, he's not going to put any effort in or he's not putting any effort in because he wants to move. These things happen up and down the pyramid. Yes, Manchester United do have better expectations and I've said this over and over again. As soon as the Ineos deal comes in, they need to go, look lads, we're the new Brighton or look lads, 
we're the new Tottenham. For the next two, three years, we ain't going to win shit. So just everyone calm down and lower your expectations. So I think to label the fact that, yes, Man United is a different cause, but these problems happen everywhere and managers do deal with it. But the biggest one he falls down on, um, I'm sure we'll come on to it as well, is the people management. And mm. Jaden Sancho goes out to Dortmund. I mean, you know, I've only oh, seen the clip of him Don't assistant. do this. Your job's at stake if you say... <laughs> Sancho's no, gone to I'm Dortmund so- and proved him wrong. Oh, you know. No, no, I'm, I'm not. I'm I'd not, put you in their whoa, midfield whoa. and expect you to have a good game. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Easy. I'm just saying the Sancho thing could have been de- dealt with differently. I'm not saying he's, How? you know, it's. we don't know the ins and outs of it, but like, I think a lot of that gets... Mm, I well, think we a do. Lot of it can... We know the story. He's been at the club for two and a half years. He's been ridiculously inconsistent on the pitch and that's all that matters. I don't, give a toss about whether he's arrogant, whether he's shy, whether he's misunderstood. I don't care what he dresses as, anything like that. It doesn't matter to me. All that okay. is just rumour and conjecture. But all right, what, what I will say is he has been late for training numerous times. He has had special treatment because he's had his issues. He has been treated well. And ultimately, he hasn't displayed the behaviours of a Manchester United yeah. player over two and a half years. I don't, th- I don't think he deserves another chance. don't think he could handle no, it any fine. differently. That's fine. I just mean in terms, but every, everything that could be, you know, the Varane situation, which I'm sure you know more about than me, but, and then adding on to the fact as well, like the, the transfers, we're 18 months in now, just that, well, probably a little bit more over. And they've just, like he has had chance to sort of not rectify it, but put his own mark on it. And the ones that he has done that with just haven't lived up to the the price, the expectation uh, of, you know, we're Man United. I'm conflicted. You know, it's like being at the dessert table. There's a lovely trifle and then there's some profiteroles. You know, I I am conflicted on this. And I know as from doing the United stand, just how conflicted the fan base is and it's also very volatile and toxic so you've got people who just aren't intelligent enough to realize that actually the intelligent person in life is the person that can take on board somebody else's opinion respect it but just disagree with it so you've got very forthright opinions who say if you sack ten hog we'll be back well we will not be back that that what frustrates me is that I've seen this with Jose. I've seen it with Oli. I've seen it with Rangnick. Yeah. I mean, Rangnick invented a style of football that Klopp uses. He came to Man United and after one training session, realised he couldn't do it. I mean, that to me is more important than what Mourinho did, what Ten Hag is doing. People say, where's the Ajax style of play? Because it's not this. I think the fact that Rangnick came in and went, right, I'm only here for a few months. There's no point in trying to get them to play the football I want to play because he can't do it. And, and But there are people in our fan base who seem to think that if you brought De Zerbi in, we'll suddenly play like Brighton. I watch these players game after game after game after game. They're not capable of it. They're not capable of it. They, they play a certain way. So for me, the I get I get it. The, the results, the performance, the man management, the substitutions, bringing on McTominay, it's infuriating. And Ten Hag's head is on the chopping block. There's no doubt about that. But as I've said before, the problems at Manchester United are multiple and any Man United fan or any fan that thinks changing the manager, you'll get that initial new manager bounce. We've seen that, certainly. But over 10 years, I haven't seen Man United play well two games in a row. That's disgusting. Spurs have had it for the last five months. Villa have had it for the last year. Man United haven't haven't had two good games in a row. We've had had results, but we've not had 
performance. And everybody, you can argue with that with me. I'll win. Why is that? Because we've got a team of individual flair players who on their day are fantastic, but they're not able to replicate the Newcastles, the Villas, the Brightons, the Spurs team ethic. And I don't think, I don't, I think if the manager goes, so's most of the players got to go. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that's just ties back into like going round in circles again, doesn't it? What did you make? Well, it's the individualism, Will. What we, what what yeah. what would what what do you think about Manchester United? Because I, th- I think look, I def- people think I'm pro Ten Hag. It's not that I'm pro Ten Hag. I'm just I'm defending sacking the manager. That manager could be Ollie. Pragmatism. This time. Yeah, I'm, I'm just like I, I, it infuriates me that when I listen to the radio on the radio or, or on the news or on, or on social media, sack the manager, and I'm like I'm not backing Ten Hag. I'm I'm defending sacking another manager because. I've yeah. seen what will happen. It'll be another three years and we'll sack another manager. I just think, I, I, yeah, go back to what I said earlier. I just think uh, like a line needs to be drawn where, it, you know, Ineos are doing this audit and they, they need to mm. look into Ten Hag and have that interview with him one-on-one and be like, you're either committing to, if you're committing to Ten Hag now, you've got to commit to him for the next three years because we know it takes four transfer windows to sort of make your team look like how you want it to. So if they are keeping with him, they have got to do this for not just next season, but beyond because that's stability. And, you know, I know I've brought up different clubs and managers been able to do it so far, but if you really want that, like you need those windows to, to execute it. So I just think the expectation thing is needs to be solved and solved quickly. I tell you what, I've never said this before. This is a this is a Goldbridge Saves Football podcast exclusive and it will probably end up going on socials tomorrow. But I've been thinking about this for a long time and I'm going to say it. I really would love to do a bungee jump over the Eiffel off the Eiffel Tower. Can you do it? No, it's not that. If I could as an experiment, I would I would love this to happen. I would love Ineos to somehow get hold of Jurgen Klopp or Pep Guardiola to be the Man United manager this summer and give them free reign. I would love to see that experiment because I'm 100% certain that the experiment we would see would be very much what's in my head. Complete clear out of that playing squad without prejudice and an absolute determination, like Will says, over the next three or four transfer windows to build a team in their playing style. And I think... If you gave Jurgen Klopp or Pep Guardiola two years and they can get rid of anybody and they can bring, you know, can have a reasonable transfer budget, then I think in two years' time you'd see Manchester United playing entertaining football. My fear is Ineos will not get rid of certain players because of certain reasons and we'll just keep playing at being successful. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I would love to see that. I mean, maybe we can have a try on football manager. I think the big one as well, it ties back to this expectation and even what you've been saying there is like 2-2 against Tottenham at home. I don't actually think that's too bad of a result of where Manchester United are at the moment. Like, And the performance was, no. you know, could have been better, could have been worse. But it was like, I thought it was just fine. You had plenty of chances to, to win it. There was some, you know, great to see Rasmus scoring, Rashford scoring. But then that ties back to the individualism as well. Like when Rashford goes off scoring and then doing that like chirping celebration of like, it just brings unwanted attention back to you of like, you've done something really good and now you're bringing it onto something else. Well, it's the mentality thing and it's the, it's the need to prove, prove people wrong, isn't it? It's a wrong mentality. We're a football team. The fans are angry because they want the team to be successful. One-upmanship 
what, what, it never serves anybody. It's like, I told you so. It's like, it's, it's a life lesson, isn't it? You, when people yeah. do you wrong and you prove them wrong, what do you ever get by going, ha ha, proved you wrong? Because in life, there's always a bad ending and you'll always, it'll always flip back on you. Best thing to do with your haters is just ignore them and, and focus on you. That's, that's, a, an, that's a quick Goldbridge tip. Like, don't be focused on proving people wrong because you'll lose track of the thing that's most important, which is the path you're on. And I think that with Rashford, apparently he did that because he'd replied to Sancho's exit thing. And people were like, oh, look at him backing Sancho over Manchester United. But I, I said on my show, look, I think it's a bit ill-advised because if we'd had Instagram when Beckham left and Gary Neville had been under there going, go on, <laughs> sir, or whatever it was, Sir Alex would have booted him out. But this is a different world now. I didn't have a problem with Rashford doing that. It's his mate. He's wishing him well. It's probably bad advice to do it, but in the world we live in, he's powerful enough to do that. United aren't going to... He started the game and he scored a goal. So at the end of the day, I can understand him going, you know, shut up and be quiet. I am committed to the club. But he also has Maybe to realise... Um, go on. Sorry, I was just thinking when you made that hand gesture of what Rashford did. Maybe he's just a big fan of Pac-Man. Well, I thought he, I actually thought he, he's too young, but I was thinking maybe the birdie song. That would have been great. That would have been great. But look, I haven't got a problem with Rashford on social media backing his mate if he scores on the pitch, and he did score on a pitch. The, the, the bigger problem, I think, is, um, is if Manchester United are willing to remove any player from that football club, because I think some people... You come well. Look, the, the the proof is there. Jose Mourinho, one of the greatest managers there's ever been, came into the club and said two weeks ago, "There's three players at that club I wanted to get rid of in the first three months I was there, and I wasn't allowed to." This is, you know, I was talking to Beth about this on the United Stand the other day. I was saying, "You do realise there's players in that football club who are almost more powerful than the CEO." She was like, "I don't believe that. If a manager wants to sell a player, they can do it." I said, "Beth, they they can't." Jose Mourinho literally said on a podcast a few weeks ago, he wasn't allowed to sell certain players. That's a fact. So the real change at Man United will only come when we re remove this ridiculous situation where certain player power is removed. It's there. We, you know, it's not a myth. It is there. So how can, how can you manage anything if you don't have the power to do it? Amen. That should Tell be a quote like um, Marcus Aurelius. That would be good. Yeah, you, maybe you should start your own Instagram sort of personal branding page and do that sort of stuff. I reckon about 150 you years, there'll be, a, there'll be somebody saying, how can you manage anything if you don't have the power to do it? Mark Goldbridge, 2024. Oh, he was these a genius. Like, he was a, his head of his time. Hierog these would be like hieroglyphics on the wall, these podcasts in, in 100 years' time. What I was going to say yeah. is um, that Jose documentary is coming out, I think, next week, I think. That'll be a very good watch. And I wonder if he goes into detail about the United stuff. thing about Jose Mourinho is and it's the perfect place for the podcast. Um, I, have re I have admitted over the last six months, and this is, you know, the self-righteous nature of society today. I was saying this. It's almost will, remind me about the Mourinho thing, but have you noticed that you can't critique anything anymore because you're a hater? I, I don't know whether it was like, I just don't feel like you can critique anything now because you get, you get labelled a, a hater. And I also feel that people can't take criticism anymore without taking it personally. When I was growing up, it was just, you know, I'll never forget learning how to whack a ball against a wall and control it with my right foot. 
And I said to Grand Grandad, Grandad, look at me. And he said, I'm too busy shooting rabbits with this shotgun because we lived in the country. I said, I said, make sure you shoot the one with the blue coat on. I can't stand Peter Rabbit. Anyway, I, I showed him and he went, that's really good. Now go and do it with your left. <laughs> but you, know, I, like you know what? It sticks, it, it sticks in my head because you know what? I felt like right. going, it took me ages to learn how to do that. Right. I'll prove him right. And, and, and I don't know whether we have that. It's why there's no Gerrards, Terry's, Paul Ince's, Roy Keane's anymore, because I just think we've become quite weak in criticism. Yeah. Hate should never no. be abided. Toxic abuse should never be accepted. But critique, is that, it actually makes you better. And that's why I'm very grateful to wake up every morning from a text from you at eight in the morning going, you're a shitbag, do better. And you send that just on repeat. And, and that's been yeah. really useful for me going forward. It's in my drafts. Uh, basically, every Saturday, when I'm in a good mood having a coffee, I write seven out and then I put them in my drafts and then alarm seven o'clock, send that to Will. Will, you've got shit hair and people think you're a pound land, not Goldbridge. They think you're a pound land, James Alcott. Wow, and yeah, and you know that gets right in in my system, I know, and I know that hurts him even more. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I can. I'll start sending some of these uh, messages that I send in. But yeah, look, I, I think critique. I used to go. I used to go to games, and I've said this before. There was this guy two seats down, and he'd go, "Lay down and die, lay down and die," and that was to his own striker. Every week, he just had a problem with this striker. Wife. And uh, yeah, it's like criticism is like, uh, you've got to have criticism. I'd rather be surrounded, you know what? I'd, if I was a professional footballer, I'd rather be surrounded by people who said to me, you know what? You're a really talented player, but you were rubbish today. What was wrong with you? Than what they do get with, oh, don't listen to the external noise. We've got a brand deal. Get an Instagram post out saying we go again. You know, is this, this is why this is this is what's wrong with the modern footballer. And you can tell the difference between the people who are surrounded by good people and the people who are surrounded by yes men. Because, you know, I guarantee someone like Conor Gallagher's got good people around him because he's I'm so impressed with him. So impressed with him every week. He's on it. He gives his all. He's a talented player. He's got the right mindset. And that's a Man United fan saying that about a Chelsea player. Um but look at but look at that with Jude Bellingham as well. Like you, you know, just kept everything with within the family. Like they yeah, kept it brilliant. sort of, you know, set. And even like the people that they bring in, it's all managed to perfection. I don't know Jude Bellingham, but I know people who know his dad, and uh, they've they just said, you know, what a great guy he is, and you know, he's done a great job with his kids and keeping them grounded, and and the mentality is fantastic. And, and and you know what, you 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 can't always control that. You know, there'll be people listening to this no, show. No. You, you can't control that. But, it, you know, you can surround yourself with the right people in your own life, whether it be friends, colleagues, etc. But, but you know, back to Ten Hag. Is he surrounded by the right people? I don't know. But the next three Premier League games are massive. It's Wolves away, West Ham at home, and then Villa away. And I look at that and I think, oh, we could be talking about this in a couple of weeks again. Yeah. Um, one thing we should talk about as well, top of the league, Manchester City. If anything feels inevitable right now, it feels like they're going to go on a run and do it. Go Kevin on, get, De Bruyne your, get back. your pussy out. <laughs> wow. Get your pussy out because I can. I, I know you're going to say purring. <laughs> no, I mean, cat. I mean cat. What do you mean? I mean cat. Where I'm from, a pussy sends, is a cat. Sh- yeah. Right, stop saying that word. Send shivers down my spine. Uh, De Bruyne back. 
looking like a lovely oh. purring cat. Um, wow. And the, the goal, the Tom assist. Brady. Yeah, lovely. Blues legend. Um, but yeah, he's back. City are back and it's all going to shit. Um, Mark, if it's all right for you, I'd like to hear from our halftime sponsors. Okay, everyone, time to take a quick break from our football madness. But Will, have you noticed we've been a bit more on the ball lately? <laughs> Definitely, Mark. I thought it was just the excitement of the game. But turns out it's our new morning superstar, AG1. Spot on. It's more than just a supplement. It's like the perfect midfield maestro for our bodies. All about foundational nutrition. And how easy it is. One scoop of AG1 in our water every morning. It's faster than brewing up a coffee and way more beneficial. <laughs> exactly. And it's like signing a whole squad of benefits. Energy, focus, immune health. Not to mention, it's great for managing stress and mood. It's even improved your mood, Mark. <laughs> I didn't think that was possible. Watch it. But you're right. I've even noticed it supports healthy ageing. I mean, look at me practically reversing time here and the quality is top notch ag1 is nsf certified for sport you know you're getting the best plus it's helped both of us stay sharp and witty essential for dealing with each other on this podcast true and my girlfriend says i'm less of a prat in the mornings now it's been a total game changer for those listening get in on this there's a special offer a free one year supply of vitamin d and five free ag1 travel packs with your first purchase head over to drinkag1.com forward slash Goldbridge. That's drinkag1.com forward slash Goldbridge. Start your day with AG1 and feel the difference in your health and mood. Give it a try, folks. It's a simple habit with big results. Now back to the football and my always correct opinions. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to dwell on the title for too long because I, I hate being, you know, I almost hate being right when you predict things because I almost do it reverse <laughs> psychology. Like Man City are going to win the league easily. And you say that because you want it not to happen. And then, yeah, I mean, Newcastle did reasonably well. But as soon I, I could see Foden getting the ball all the time and he just he holds on to the ball too long, Foden. And I thought if they take Foden off or move him and put De Bruyne there, he'll, he'll win this game. And he did because he was getting so much space. The goal was brilliant. The ball to Bob was brilliant. I mean, it's a mistake by Trippier. But he is like... Um, you know the NFL, as well. yeah. What control, magnetic, yeah. Um, but but I think the, you know it's the, it is the playoff season in the NFL. We're both disappointed about the Cowboys. What went wrong there? Oh. But yeah, it, it, if you could ever liken football to um, uh, American football, De Bruyne is just literally a Mahomes, a Tom Brady. He's a quarterback player. He, he's just so good at dictating a game. And I mean, look, who's going to push him? Will Liverpool or Arsenal? I, I think Liverpool are the team, but. I don't think they'll push them till, till April. I think Man City will just go boom now. And they've still got Haaland to come back. Also, it feels very, very quiet, doesn't it? We came in in December. I was like, this January transfer window is going to heat up because so many teams can challenge for the title. There's so many teams that could challenge for Europe. So much yeah. going on in the bottom half. And there's been no little to no movement so far. So I think, if anything, and I was having a chat with James Alcott the other week, actually, about... Um, AFCON and Asia Cup. Nick, Man City ideas from no him, yeah. play. Yeah. Nick and <laughs> his City, jokes. It's a different yeah. show. Different, different show. Different show. Uh, they've got no players going to the Asia Cup. No players going to AFCON. Mm. Uh, and they're Clever. just obviously going to reap... Re yeah. <laughs> they're just going to reap the rewards from that. So the next games they've got in the Premier League are... They've got Burnley at home. Win. Brentford away. Win. Everton away. Sorry, Win. Everton at home. 
Win. Uh, Chelsea at home. Brentford at home. Win. Bournemouth away. Man Win. United at home. Win. And then... <laughs> 9th of March, it doesn't take to get to Liverpool, then Brighton, then Arsenal, then Villa. Well, of course, so. well, of course the problem's going to be something we mentioned on here a long time ago. Um, the downside of having such a competitive top six, seven, eight teams is that that will make Man City's job even easier because yeah. Man City can win, 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 win. Liverpool will, you know, if they can go win, 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 it will be great because, to be fair, there's not a massive gap between Liverpool, Arsenal, Villa, Spurs, whereas Man City will go and win, win, win. I think it's going to be tough. But um, get us your thoughts on that, as always, in the comments. Do you think do you think it will be boring? Do you think Man City will run away with it? But the flip side of that coin is, and I have to come back to this very quickly, Eddie Howe, um, next fixture is Aston Villa away. They've also got Fulham away in the cup. If he loses both those games, he's out the cup. They will be in the bottom half, I would expect. I think they'll be down in 11th. There's not, doesn't seem to be any appetite from the fans of Newcastle or even the ownership of Newcastle to get rid of him but and they will start to bounce back but if their ceiling bouncing back is seventh or eighth it's not really good enough it depends what new I mean look if they're restricted by FFP like they said they might look at it and go you know he's overachieving but they have got the money it's just whether I don't know I think I think the thing with Newcastle is it's a bit like Man United, isn't it? It's like, it just depends what the owner's appetite is, really. Yeah, and I th- they, they've been smart with everything they've done, like, especially with like the Dan Ashworth signing. Like, that, that's absolutely crucial and, and proven that on the pitch as well. So it feels like everything on pitch they are being smart with and they're even quite calculated in terms of like, you know, like, like Lewis Miley being implemented into the squad. Like, that's the being allowed to happen, whereas with all the wealth that they've got and not being allowed to spend because of FFFP, you could imagine, and I'm sure we're going to come on to it, where other clubs have sort of fell foul of that because they think they can sort of make these losses up and everything. So I think they'll stay with Eddie Howe just based on everything that they've been doing so far, if that makes sense. Here's an insider bit of information for you, Newcastle fans. I wonder if Dan Ashworth, Fabrizio, I was talking to Fabrizio Romano today, Dan Ashworth is the obsession for Manchester United as their director of football. If Dan Ashworth goes to Manchester United, that's a major scoop. But also, um, Dan Ashworth's had a real identity on the profile of signings when you think about the the, the Anthony Gordons, the Bruno Gamares, these sort of types of players. New director of football comes in. That could be a reason to go out Eddie Howe because um, that, that relationship with Ashworth and Howe is obviously working. Yeah. And also, if you like all things Newcastle or you like all things football, um, we have got a Newcastle interview coming soon, uh, today, today, as of listening, yes, with He's Bruno Gamares right and up. Joe Linton. Joe yeah. Linton and Bruno Gamares interviewed on That's Football. It's a cracking interview. It's a major scoop. Um, and, and it's a great signing in January for us. So make sure you check it out. Brilliant. Um, let's have a quick chat about, I know that this could be a long podcast here and I'm wary that we, we, keep, we, we keep moving because I know we're, we're moving through some really good topics yes, yeah, yeah. here. But uh, financial fair play charges for Everton and again, um, that's not again, uh, Everton again and Nottingham Forest. Um, these punishments, are they fair, Will, do you think? Um, or do, and do you think a precedent needs to be set? It would be Everton's second one. They're both going to legally challenge it. We know Man City are going to legally challenge theirs. I mean, as fans, I well, what what what's your thoughts? 
So I think it's twofold. I think you, it, when you look at the Everton and Forest ones, especially the Everton one, I was listening to Simon Jordan speaking on TalkSport today and he was like, especially with the first Everton one, like they gave them ground to sort of even make up, I think it was about 250 million down to 9 million because of COVID, because of the stadium, because of everything else. So there were still irregularities in there, which they've, you know, brought down to that 9 million. Forest ones, their statement seemed pretty punchy that they were going to fight it and appeal it. That came out just before we were recording. They didn't seem too concerned, but I don't know if that's just lawyer talk. So that's the one side of it. If you've broken the rules, you should be punished. But there's yeah. just this big shadow overhanging all of the, you know, what's gone before in the Premier League because it feels like Manchester City are almost being rewarded for having 115 charges where yeah. the Everton ones and Forest ones are like one and two get dealt with, deductions hanging out. But if you've got 120 and you've done worse... Oh, there's a lot to sift through there, so it's going to take time. And as you know, as I know, and as all our listeners know, the longer it takes, the just more you feel they're going to get away with it. And the more trophies they go and win with the massive advantage they've got. I mean, we said this about Newcastle last week. I think I said it on a That's Football video. Newcastle are as rich as Man City, but they can't spend the money because financial fair play's now got teeth. So everyone's restricted by financial fair play, but Man City have had 15 years of not being restricted by it. So they've had all the benefit yeah. of it. They've set themselves up and no one else can replicate it. So they're winning both ways. And, and of course, I understand the legal process. There's so many charges and they're appealing them all. And therefore, you're going to get locked up in legal battle while Man City carry on winning things. What I would say about the Everton Forest ones is that we need clarity on this. What we need is very simplified explanations of what they've done. Because I think if the, the trouble is it gets very complicated and, and they, they almost revel in it being complicated in what the Premier League put out there. And if they say, look, this is the limit and they've gone over it by, let's say, 50 million quid and they knew that and the teams that got relegated last year, because it's for 22-23, didn't go over it, well unfortunately, as a fan, I've got to look at it and go, well, they have had an advantage. There's no point in having rules if, if people go over it. And, you know, those relegated clubs are going to be looking at it as well. But from an Everton and Forest bit, I can understand it because it's just typical again, isn't it? It's, it's like VAR. The fans suffer from other people's incompetence. And they, the Everton and Forest fans are not accountants. They pay their money, they support their club and both of them at the moment on the pitch are actually doing rather well. You know, they've got new ma new managers. I know Deitch has been there a while, but there's there's a new direction and they're heading in the right direction. Forest have established themselves in the Premier League. Everton have got a new stadium and, the, the, you know, they're, they're a good team again. And then you've got this, which you'd have to say irresponsible owners are now getting lawyers in and going, we'll fight it. And if I was a fan, I'd be going, oh, we just don't do it in the fucking first place. Like, you know, so I, I'm like, if they, we do need financial fair play to have teeth. We can't moan about it when they do something about it. But I'd like to have a little yeah. bit more clarity on what they've done because you don't want them to have too much teeth. You know, you don't want it to be un being unfair. Yeah. Well, I think the, and also it, it comes down that we maybe chat about like teams lower down the league and everything that with some clubs are suffering. But all fans want is transparency. Mm. And I think that should be go across multiple verticals of a football club and especially when it comes to finances because it's a very cliche to thing but like it's if you're a fan of the club it's your club as a collective it's your club these owners will go these managers will go these players will go but it all comes back to like I mean some clubs are being absolutely shafted by absolute fucking knobheads and it's you know it'll be over a stretch of a three five year period and they won't know anything about it just because of you know, all the hidden secrets and everything that's going on. So I just think transparency across the board should be like a mandate going forward.
Yeah, definitely. Uh, get us your comments in on the Spotify uh, comments section there. We'll certainly be re revisiting this as well. Um, I think we've got a bit of time for some either-ors before we do Pratt of the Week. What we yeah, got? we'll flash through these because there's some some good ones. This week, it's the FIFA Best Award coming up. I think it's either tonight as of listening, if you're listening on the Tuesday or the Wednesday. So it's, I mean, have a look at the the way it's been weighted. But if Messi doesn't win it, FIFA will be having an absolute shit all day. Um, is that for, is that for 2023? Well, the da I, I double checked the dates, but basically, it's like until it's the, all of um, all of last last year till August 23. Sorry, until August last year, but it's from um, December at, at the start of the World Cup. Uh, well, so, I'll say it again: it should be Haaland. He's won a treble in his first season in the Premier League. Um, it should be Haaland, but I think we all know it's going to be Messi. And I've said this before. Um, Great for Messi to win a World Cup, but it should be Erling Haaland. He's won a treble in his first season in the Premier League, but it will be Messi. Of course it will. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. So let's move on to the next one. One down here from our listeners. It says, Richarlison or Rasmus Hoyland? Who would you rather have at your team right now? I, well, I can't stand Richarlison. I hate his chicken dance at, um, thing. And I'd hate it if he was in a Man United shirt. So that, on that reason, I'd go Hoyland. But no, seriously, um, I, I really like Rasmus Hoyland. Um, yes, he's a work in progress. Yes, I can't guarantee he's going to hit the heights, but I'm very excited about him at Manchester United. I mean, yes, against Spurs, he had one chance and he scored it. And this is the big problem. I think if you give him, you put him in a Man City team or an Arsenal team, I think he'd score a lot more. Um, that's a style thing that we've spoken about with United. But having said that, I think Richarlison has done well at Spurs. His goal record's a lot better than it was at Everton. Um, but yeah, for me, Rasmus on that one. Um, you say you hate him doing the chicken dance, but maybe if he did the birdie dance, then he'd be right on side with you. Yeah, it's just the way he arches his back and does that. Oh, no, I just don't like that. I can't be yeah, doing with that. Well, when we go someone. visual, I'll um, <laughs> when we go visual, I'll get that dancing around right around you. Uh, final one in either oars. Afcon's on the Asia Cups on. So who's a bigger miss? Is it Mo Salah for Liverpool or Human Son for Tottenham? Don't shout. Just think about it because it's multifaceted. I believe. I'll tell you what, it's a great question, um, a really great question because they're both going to be missing. But I think I have to say that having seen Spurs yesterday, I thought Werner did got ridiculed, but I actually think he did well. I mean, I got a lot of stick for saying that Delo didn't have a good game and Werner won the battle. And I had all these stats saying he won nine duels. And I was like, yeah, but he didn't mark him three or four times. and He didn't stop him shooting three or four times. Unfortunately, Werner couldn't hit the ocean from a boat. But I think... The fact that Liverpool have got to play Arsenal without Salah, I think that make that that sways the boat for me. I'm obviously I think Salah's a better player than Son, but it's not about that. It's about the games they've got to play. And I just think in the context of what we're saying about City, Liverpool need to keep winning and not having Salah away to Arsenal, I think is gonna be, you know, a big miss. So I'd say Salah. Well, I was going to go human son just because of the fact I feel like that back line behind him is more experienced. Not as good, nowhere near as good. But there's a lot more experience and ability, I think. And Timo Werner did well yesterday, but I think uh, son will be a bigger miss for Tottenham. Um, right, should we go on to our favourite feature? Yep, it's that time. Play the music. You're a Pratt, he's a Pratt, she's a Pratt, they're whiny. Now it's time for Pratt of the Week. One, two, three. Okay, well... <laughs> We've got quite a few, so we'll have to be summarising these today, but uh, we have got quite a few. Um, 
one thing I want to, I, I sort of want to uh, encapsulate PGMOL here and, and VAR because obviously there was the Gusto red card and there was the foul on the Burnley goalkeeper, which I just find incredible. Absolutely incredible. And companies right to call it out because it's the little clubs it gets forgotten about. I mean, Anthony Taylor, again, was the Gusto red card. How VAR hasn't seen that when we've seen three or four people sent off for similar things. It, it's shocking. Um, and the goalkeepers, you know, the, the Luton players clearly clattered him on purpose. It's a foul. But the one of the big things that people might have missed was that Sterling won a penalty against Fulham. And it's not a dive. The defender's gone in. He's reckless. He's caught him. And Sterling, quite rightly, could have stayed on his feet. And he's gone... No way, I'm taking a dive, pass me the speedos, as he's got every right to do, because that tackle is reckless, but it's not enough to take him down. In the Villa game against Everton, same thing happens to Diaby, and his mentality is obviously different, because he tries to stay on his feet. No penalty. And, and this frustrates me, because you get people saying, Sterling dived, Bruno dived. They're intelligent, because they know if they stay on their feet, they ain't getting a penalty. Diaby would have got a penalty if he'd gone down. Now, I've been saying this for years. People say, oh, they shouldn't go down. But they should go down because they're not going to get a penalty if they're if they're honest and there's no advantage. So I thought that was that was poor as well. Um, and um, as another contender, I'd call out Match of the Day panel on Saturday night for when they reviewed the Gusto yellow card. I think Mika said, it's a yellow card for me, which he's got every right to do. Got no problem with him. I think he's a good pundit, but I think he's wrong. But it was the fast fact that Lineker and the other guy went, yeah, no, yeah, we both agree it's a yellow card. I was like, what? That's this, I pay my license fee. You've got a great debate there on a Saturday night and you all just go yellow card. And I just thought, is that not the problem with why Football Focus has got has gone? It's just so tame. Like there was, I don't, I, you know, Mika says yellow and then someone else, right, you say it was a red. We've got some content. But I was just like... How can it? How can all three of you sit there when you're paid to watch football and say, "Yeah, it's a yellow card," when we know it's not? We know it's not a yellow card because we've seen people get a red card for it. So they're my Pratt contenders of the week. I thought it was a yellow. Um, moving on, Why? my couple Why? of Pratt. Can... I just thought it was a yellow. I just I think the slow mode just didn't do him any good. But you know, we, time is on on our side, so you know, don't. You'll be in the Pratt of the week. Um, Hey, steady on you. Um, right, Pratt of the Week from my side. Bloke uh, absolutely loved the bits, but uh, even he's hanging his head in shame this week. Troy Deeney, I don't know about if you've heard it, mm. but he's a scathing post-match uh, review. Sort of maybe ties into what we were speaking about at the top of the show, but probably went a little bit too far. He's apologised today, uh, digging one of the players out. I think it was the right-back Darbo who said uh, in the summer he was one kick away from going to the Premier League. Now he can't even get a kick and he wouldn't get a kick in the National League team. So raw honesty, which we like to see, but maybe a, a tad too far and just a little bit over the top. Well, I've, I've, I've met Troy and it doesn't surprise me he's like that. Um, you know, honesty is what we all like. But I suppose as a manager, you're going to pay the price. We, well, we've spoken about it, haven't we? Football, football players can't take criticism. So the worst thing you can do, it's like what it's like. I mean, Ten Hag only said that Sancho didn't train well, and he was on he was on Twitter, wasn't he, with the reply? So, yeah, it's probably not the best man management style, is it? Even though it's what you think. Well, one man management style that came into focus as well was Sean Dyche was asked about one of his players, Dan Juma, flying from Manchester to Liverpool to get to train in at Everton, um, <laughs> and apparently he does that quite a lot. Um, you know, there's great train service, might take a 
about 15 minutes longer. You could probably drive pretty well. I'm I sure didn't even know they out, did flights. You know, well, I don't think it's a commercial flight. Oh, my God. That's a, even worse. Bloody hell. Yeah, don't, don't tell don't Greta. Don't you're doing the route. Yeah, <laughs> bloody hell. It's um, disgusting. And then the final it? one... Yeah, that is bad. I mean, he could win. The final one is, I'm sure you saw the protest at the weekend, uh, Reading fans on the pitch. It was going to be a tennis pool protest. Then it turned into them being on the pitch. And rightly so, game got called off. And rightly so that they were protesting. Uh, the owner took over 2017. Uh, they were in the playoff final since then. Relegation to the third tier, 16 points deducted. A five-year transfer embargo, multiple missed HMRC payments, extreme cost cutting to including redundancies, no hotels before away games, and microwaved pre-match meals. CEO selling most of our valuable assets behind the back of the manager and director of football. Not a single interview with the public. They're in the relegation zone in League One. Uh, that's all from T at Talk Reading, who's um, beautifully digested it for sort of the simpleton like me. But I mean. Stories like that are prevalent at Reading. They're also happening elsewhere at the football pyramid. But yeah, we, I think they're doing the right thing. And and actions like that, people can dispute. But we're talking about it on a Monday. Other people have been talking about it on Monday. And sadly, you have to do that sort of thing. Well, also, it's um, apparently his own two other clubs that have gone into administration as well. Reading, Reading are going to go out of business. They're going to go extinct. That's that's just disgusting. Um, and Reading fans are, are, have, have everybody else's football support, 100%, definitely. I mean, I'd like to give that Pratt of the Week, but I think he's bigger than a Pratt. Um, so I think in keeping with what Pratt of the Week is, it's got to be Dan Juma for getting private planes to fly from Manchester to Liverpool. The irresponsibility, laziness and arrogance there is disgusting. You are a Pratt. You're a Pratt, he's a Pratt, she's a Pratt, they're whiny. Now it's time for Pratt of the Week. One, two, three... Right, time for the quiz. Um, you got in touch with me. There was a bit of deliberation, uh, but it's Goldbridge 5, Brazier 3, although Brad said Will should have won the quiz last week. Giving you two extra clues. Shocking. Get VAR on it. Not today, Brad. Keep it quiet. Mark, do you want to go first? Okay, my first clue for you in Guess Who is... Uh, I'm obviously English because I've got 51 caps and 104 appearances for Manchester United. Uh, I think it is... Um, uh, Owen Hargreaves. Not quite. Um, clue two. I am a Manchester United treble winner. So I played in 1999. Oh. Um, Phil Neville. No, Good shout. Good shout. Um, it's not him. Clue three. Golden Boot winner in 92-93. Teddy Sheringham. Oh, he's done it. Well done. Well done. Um, clue four was left United to play for Spurs, Portsmouth, then West Ham. And then clue five would have been my Christian name is Edward. <laughs> Lovely stuff. <laughs> Thanks, Mark. Um, right, over to me now. Clue number one. I started my career in France before moving to the Premier League and winning it. Uh, France to Prem. Uh, Kante. Incorrect. Oh. I played 69 times for France, scoring 19 goals, and I was part of the European Championship winning squad in 2000, in the year 2000. Uh, 69-19, uh, Premier League winner. Uh, I don't think it is him, but I'm going to go with 69-19, France Premier League. Um... Nicholas and Elka. <laughs> By Jove, he's got it. He's the winner. Oh, 
Oh, he's gutted. Look at his face. Look at his face. He's absolutely Knock gutted. Off. Um, yeah. Yeah. I can't believe I've won that. I've played for numerous Premier League clubs and managers. I've played under include Big Sam, Pepe Mel, Carlo Ancelotti. I've won the I won the league and FA Cup double with Arsenal in 97-98. I've also played for Arsenal, Liverpool, Manchester City, West Brom, Chelsea, Bolton, Real Madrid, Fenerbahce, PSG, Juventus, and there's more to name. Wasn't even listening. I was too busy double fist in the air then. Absolutely great. Uh, yeah, well fantastic. I, I, I'm really pleased with that one because um, it's so, yeah, I'm very pleased with that one because I, I didn't think I was going to win. I'd just like to thank uh, my mum, my dad, the wife, the kids, uh, yeah, the postman, get it everybody. 6 3. That's, uh, you know, you, you don't need uh, luck when you've got uh, a 6-3 lead, do you? I mean, what's that as a percentage? <laughs> what's that as a percentage? Um, yeah. yeah, there we go. Uh, no, cracking oh podcast. We've got through loads today and we were on a bit of a time limit, to be fair, which you pro- probably realise because we normally go up to about an hour, but uh, Goldbridge has got to go somewhere. Um, but yeah, loved it so much. I-, I must repeat what I said at the start, Will, that this week although it was a reduced Premier League week and it was sort of like, oh God, there might not be loads to talk about. In a way, I think there's more to talk about. Less is more sometimes. I was sitting there with a tap water watching Burnley versus Luton and if nothing describes January more than that, I think that is the pinnacle of January. (laughs) That is January. A month ago, we were watching Liverpool Arsenal with a big, (laughs) big pint of mulled wine and then a month later, watching Burnley Luton with a tap water pint. Yeah, lovely stuff. Eating a celery. Last week, last month, last oh, yeah. month it was Quality Street, uh, but it's been a quality podcast. Yeah, that was good. Uh, make sure you check out the sponsor. Love, love, love that. And uh, big, big thanks to your support. Get involved in the poll on the Spotify poll, and also leave us your comments because they're always part of the show. And we'll be back on Friday with Goldbridge as well. I think that was a good week as well. I think I always have to double check. But thanks, Will. Thanks for coming on as per usual. Thank you. No- Always a pleasure, never a chore. I'm off to find the door. 6-3. 6-3. You can't argue with that. Speak to you later.